This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Hi, and welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. My name's Martine and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of the show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First, we talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is and what AA can do to help, and then we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who's an active member of AA. I'm now going to ask our guest to read the AA preamble, which is read at the start of every AA meeting. I'm Tash, I'm an alcoholic. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. So what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease, not a disgrace. There's no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. However, once it has a hold of you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model and the victim is as helpless as a sufferer of cancer. If you're an alcoholic, you're at the beginning of a long road that usually ends in one of three places, prisons, institutions or death. If you think this sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism and the alcoholic is often the last one to recognise it and admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is that it's an allergy of the body coupled with an obsession of the mind. The allergy is the physical aspect of the disease. After having the first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is, one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And yet because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up the first drink. This makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted whether life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety one day at a time. This program has a proven track record for helping otherwise hopeless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recovery. It has taught us how to enjoy life sober. Okay, for anyone who's just joined us, you're listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9, and we're just about to interview a member who is going to share their experience with alcoholism. Hi. Hi, Martine. I wonder if you'd just like to introduce yourself and give us a quick sketch of who you are, maybe starting with your age and how long you've been sober for. Okay, so I'm Tasha, I'm an alcoholic. 
Um, I've been sober since the 15th of October 2012 and I'm 46 years old. Cool. And what do you do for a job? Um, I'm a learner's assistant at a primary school. Cool. And could you tell us about your family? Are you married? Do you have children? I do. Um, I'm married. We've been married for 28 years and we've got three adult children. Mm-hmm. Lovely. And I wonder if you could take us through your childhood, what it was like and and how it was for you growing up. Mm. Um, I was, uh, my mother was an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, when I grew up, uh, the very, from my birth, I guess, um, my mum was still drinking. Right. And that's how I spent a lot of time with my grandmother in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then she uh, she got sober in 1978. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, uh, and then eventually met the man that would become my dad. Mm-hmm. And he was sober 10 years. And so there was me, my older brother, and then they eventually had a child of their own. Mm-hmm. So there was three of us in the house together. Um, uh, sometimes it was chaotic living Mm. with, um, alcoholics, um, can be really, really good. And sometimes it can be really, really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, but on the whole, you know, especially with my parents, but they used to, my mum used to take me to AA meetings when I was really little. She had to. Um, so, uh, I was familiar with AA from a very young age and, and the old timers in, in meetings and, you know, I guess my memory uh, being a child within AA was that when my parents were going to AA meetings, they were happy. Yeah. They were really, yeah, they were really, really happy. Do you yeah. ever me- remember your mum drinking? No, no. I was still quite la- young. Right. I just remember being with my grandmother a lot. Right. Mm. Cool. Yeah. So when did you start drinking? Could, do you remember your, your first drink and what alcohol did for you? <laughs> My first drink, so I also have an older sibling in Alcoholics Anonymous Mm -hmm. um, who I absolutely adored and followed around like a lost puppy. Um, He, although my parents were in AA, they weren't anti-alcohol. Yeah. So there was alcohol in the house when there was a reason for it to be there. And so my brother, my older brother had a birthday party Mm -hmm. and um, because I followed him everywhere, I did everything that he did. And so at a young age... I was actually four years old and um, I'd follow him and his friends and, you know, drink the bottom of their beers or just drink whatever was there. So I didn't have much recollection, but I remember being quite intoxicated at a a young age in that. Um, However, my own kind of alcoholism really started when I hit hit 13. Mm. And can you tell us about that, how it progressed, what it was like, how it made you feel? Um, I just... You know, like we were just talking about growing up, you know, even though I was brought up in AA, I had this feeling from as young as I can remember of just being full of fear. I mean, I didn't know that that's what it was until I got sober, that I was just had this nervous disposition. I would talk a hundred miles an hour, I would talk a lot, and I was just full of fear. And, um, and socially, you know, I, I didn't realise how scared I was of people. And um, so when I hit, you know, 13 and found the, the first love of my life, yeah. um, he introduced me to vodka, vodka 62. And um, we went out for the night and drank this bottle of vodka and I got absolutely mothered. And um, 
vomited everywhere and, um, you know, felt a little bit embarrassed the next day, but I just couldn't wait to do it again. Yeah. And so that's what I did through, you know, the early teens is just drink whenever I could. So at what point did you realise that um, that you had a problem? It was actually when I was um, when I was 17 mm-hmm. and that I went into treatment when I was 17. That's that pretty was, young. Yeah, yeah, no, it definitely... Um, it was it was pretty messed up, and that first love of my life had ended up in um, prison. Right, and um, he was uh, given the opportunity to visit the Vin- stay at the Vincentian Centre at the time, and part of going there was that he would attend meetings. And although I'd gone with my parents, you know, my parents were just glaring at me, where I had this peer, this this person who. Um, wasn't family, um, was sober, and it, it, even from a very you know, early amount of time, he seemed better, and he was happy, and he had a sobriety chip from a right. meeting that's still going in Christchurch, yeah. and uh, that was kind of my introduction to possibly there's a problem, and when I went and saw my doctor, they were, I was only 17, with a hallelujah, because I wasn't just dabbling in alcohol anymore, I started dabbling in other stuff as well. So what was your first meeting like as, you know, as a member of AA as opposed to just a visitor with your parents? Um, I don't really remember, you know, like even when I went into treatment, you know, for myself, I was was still, like I knew that things weren't right, but Mm -hmm. there was still, you know, that denial there. I just wasn't, yeah, I just wasn't, yeah, I just wasn't sure. I can't really remember, you know, they they just kind of blend in from, from all the other meetings at that point, yep. Right. So have you ever been in trouble with the law? Have you got into fights, had any drunk driving convictions, anything like that? Oh, I've drunk drive a yeah. lot, never got caught. Right. Um, I've drank drive quite a few times. I've been pulled up in blackout, and I only know that because of the people that were with me when I was driving. Right. Um, so I never got um, in trouble with the law, but certainly... Um, did uh, yeah a whole lot of that lot of a lot of drink driving mm. yeah so you were saying that you you went in and then went out when you came back the second time what had happened what what made you can you explain what sort of headspace or how you felt when you came back into again? AA yeah um so you know the second time so I went into treatment lasted about three months mm-hmm. and didn't do AA I just yeah. went in there got a band-aid with treatment and did nothing else and relapsed. And then in that time, from then until uh, I was 19, I had managed to secure another man right. and we had a child. And, um, you know, that kind of upped the ante. I've got two parents in Alcoholics Anonymous and it's not just about me anymore. I've, there's a wee boy involved in this. And so I did the, I, I did what any normal alcoholic would do. I did a geographical. I yep. took off. And I uh, took my son and the police, I guess the police were involved then, were looking for me because I worried about my son and I didn't want to lose my son. So I came back into AA then in 1996. Right. Yeah, came back then. And I thought then that, I, that I'd had enough. It was worse than what it was when I was 17. It was way worse. Yeah. Mm, the consequences, not just with my... You know, with my son, just with life, I just felt like every, I couldn't see that I had any part in it, but everyone seemed to be against me. And um, so, yeah, I, I came back in. Mm. And yeah. you stayed? I stayed for five years. I was really active in AA. I used to 
take my son to meetings. I right. was a secretary of a meeting. I had the porticot, mm-hmm. and I would set him up in the porticot, and I um, opened the meeting for a good year. Um, I had a sponsor um, who was actually at the birth of my second child. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was quite heavily involved with AA for probably the first three years, and um, then you know, I got my primary purpose, became my husband and my children, and I stopped going to AA. And how was that? How did you feel after you sort of left AA? Um, well, I, I, it was a very gradual, slow process. Like the further I got away from AA, the more um, disturbed I was, right. and I actually blamed AA. I blamed AA for me, you know. So every now and then I would pop into a meeting and I would go and I would feel worse. Right. You know, I'd go home and say to my husband, "I feel worse." And, um, you know, I know now that it, that's it's stirring everything up, you yeah. know, and kind of lost that connection. AA doesn't change. I change when I don't go. Yeah. And that I become disconnected. And um, so I just slowly started pulling away. The depression came back um, with a vengeance and the anxiety. And I just got so far away from AA that it was AA's fault. So right. I just stopped going. So then you made your way back. And you haven't left? Well, I relapsed and stayed out there for another 10 years. And um, things got even worse, but not so much. You know, externally, they got, you know, I didn't have the police looking for me. I didn't have any of that. I had three children. I still had the same husband. God bless that man. He's got nerves of steel. Um, But on the inside, I just thought I couldn't, I didn't want to live anymore, but I didn't want to I didn't want to take myself out. I didn't want to do that to my kids. I just got, it was inside. I just, I knew that I was screwed. I yeah. just I just felt it. And uh, I didn't know two days beforehand that I was going to be honest and tell people what was going on. People that knew me knew something wasn't right, but yeah. I could pass it off as I'm just tired. It's the kids and whatever. Um, and then it just got so bad that I was honest. I was honest with my doctor and then honest with my family, and thank God for people in AA. There are a few people in AA, even though I wasn't going anymore, that still kept their hand out and would just say, hey, how are you going? And um, so because of those people, it gave me the permission to contact them and, and say, I'm I'm screwed, I need yeah. to come back, and then they met me at my first meeting. And so you went back. What's it like? So you've been back, obviously, for a while. How do you feel now compared to how you felt then? Oh, it's just so different, you know. Um, you know, when I came in, I didn't have any hope. You know, I had no hope, but I had nowhere to go. I was, um, I just, my world was so small. It was pretty much home, the supermarket, school, home. This, you know, like my world was so small, and I, and I was so emotionally burnt out. I didn't. I actually thought I had so many other things wrong with me. Um, other than alcoholism and, you know, thank God for sponsorship. Yep. And, um, you know, I had a hard sponsor to begin with, which is exactly what I needed because um, I, when I first got sober, I just felt like the victim. It was yeah. everybody else that hurt me. It was nothing to do with me and, you know, through coming in. And I think the difference between this time and the 
time I came in in 1996 was doing the steps. Yeah. And the people that I was surrounded with in their early recovery were, they were big book focused. And I was so beaten, I was beaten into a state of reasonableness that I did what they told me, even if I didn't agree. Um, So, and, you know, like, from there to now, I mean, it's so it's so different, you know, working with children and I never thought that would be, you know, travelling. Yeah. You know, I have a relation, my relationship with my family, especially my children and my daughter, uh, was really, really bad. And um, the boys were more forgiving. My daughter was not. That yeah. has been a long process. And, um, but, you know, here she is. She's pregnant with her first baby. Our first grandchild. Um, we talk on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, the restoration of my family has been the biggest thing, and it took me a long time. I still blamed them. You know, if I had better kids, if I had a better husband, and and yep. it took me probably about seven or eight years to realise how blessed and lucky I was to have my family and what a gift it, what a gift it's been. And uh, yeah. So what sort of what do you use to keep sober these days? What are the skills? What are the things that you do that help? Um, sponsorship, yeah, sponsorship for sure. There was a time uh, a couple of years ago, a few years ago, where I was without a sponsor, and that was really lonely. Yeah. That was a really lonely place to be. Um, you know, prayer and meditation. And I, that doesn't mean that I'm good at it all the time yeah. and that, but, I, you know, I have breath tattooed on my hand, you know. So, you know, I've done a lot of outpatient therapy and things like that, but meditation and the small things like breathing and pausing and um, having people like a sponsor or close friends to be brutally honest with yeah. and also be open to brutally honest feedback. And that, because um, sometimes I don't know what I don't know. Yeah. And that's so, but, you know, the prayer and meditation and regular meetings regularly and sponsorship. And that has been, um, that's why I'm still here. I haven't, you know, sometimes I can get a little complacent, but I've never, I've never, never had a good idea to leave AA. Yeah. And what about service? Has that been a part of your recovery? It, absolutely. Um, straight straight away. And, you know, like I'm selfish to my core. I, I want to do what <laughs> I want to do, you know. Um, however, and, and I still, even when I'm asked to do service, I'm like, Ugh. but every time I've done service, whether it's, you know, the coffee tea, you know, coffee for alcoholics. I was brought up in AA having the smell of coffee and that is, and that just that, yeah, it's such a big job. It seems like a small, minuscule job, but just having that job, that was my first job in my first home group. Yeah. And then, you know, I've gone, I'm a, I'm a treasurer of a meeting, which I was terrified about doing, you know, just being responsible for money. What if it goes missing? Yeah. You know, what if they blame me? Um, I've been a general service rep mm-hmm. and um, I've learned so much and learned especially being a general service rep, um, going to meetings with other Alkies, and we're all very strong and opinionated and watching these people sometimes disagree quite passionately, and yet they... They come together like they they work it out, and um, I've learned so much through service um, and through other people doing service and watching them, and it just it keeps me connected because that was the thing when I left in you know like the nineties was that I became disconnected, and so service keeps me connected to uh, other members. 
Yeah. Mm. So how's your life changed since becoming sober in terms of like your career and your home and travel and things like that? Well, it's just changed. You know, like I said earlier, you know, my life was so small and um, uh, uh, it just – it's just got so big, you know, from the at the beginning, you know, it was probably, you know, like the first four or five years, it, it was bigger than what it was when I got sober, but it kind of needed to be small, just kind of readjusting yeah. to being sober and yeah. learning learning how to be a mother and do meetings and, and get my footing. And then, you know, I got offered a job, you know, uh, working, I'd done other little jobs, I'd been working in early recovery and then offered a job working with children and my first thing was, oh, I don't know about that. Yeah. And, um, and from there, it's just got bigger and bigger. You know, I went from that school and moved on to another school and I've been at that school for five years now and the opportunities that have come up and Working with children has just been such a learning experience, such a cathartic experience, yeah. and, and working with kids just like me. They have that irritable, restless, discontent, yeah. and all of that. And then uh, the opportunity, I mean, AA doesn't promise travel but or anything like that, but I've got to travel. I've got to travel you know, further than, than Australia. I'm actually travelling again this year, further than Australia. Where are you going? Thailand. Again? A different part of Thailand. Oh, okay, though. cool. Yeah, so... Um, you know that that part of it, and just yeah, the, it's just just I can't explain like those relationships, you know, with um, and learning, you know, what kind of person I am, my friends, you know, my friendships, and um, and you know, just relationships in general, you know, I've just it, and it's not easy. It's yeah. not. It's not. It's a growing process. There's usually a lot of pain, and then. You know, the peace comes after, but it's yeah, it's necessary. But it's just, yeah, it's just, um, it's pretty, it's pretty unreal. <laughs> what would you suggest for any listeners who think they might have a drinking problem? What question would you get them to ask themselves? I don't know if there is a question. I think if you are thinking that you may be alcoholic. Go to a meeting. Actually, go to more than one meeting. Yeah. You know, like um, AA, there is no obligation. We've got so many meetings in, in, in Ototahi anyway, you know. Um, go to a few meetings and um, find out for yourself and that you can read up and, 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 and all of that. But if you're even asking the question, yeah, there's something in that. Yeah. Um, my suggestion would be try some meetings. And if you go to one, you don't like it, try another one. You know, they've all got their own flavours. They've got their own way of doing things. But, yeah, go to a few go to a few meetings and listen. You know, you don't have to speak. Just listen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Tash, thanks so much for coming into the show and sharing your story with us. Oh, thanks for having me. For our listeners, if you've related to anything you've heard or would like some information about Alcoholics Anonymous, you can look us up on the web at www.aa.org.nz or you can call us on 0800 AA Works. There are over 60 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it's likely there's one near you. Join us next week to hear from more AA members sharing their experiences. Our show airs every Monday at 5.30 on Plains FM and repeats Wednesday at 12.30pm. You can also find podcasts of our past show on Plains FM website at plainsfm.org.nz or you can download, subscribe and listen to podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. That brings us to the end of the show. Thanks for listening and remember, if you want to drink, that's your business. If you'd like to stop, we can help and you don't have to do it alone. We will now close the show with a serenity prayer as we do in every AA meeting. 
God, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. You've been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9. 